Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. But Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons, my son. Do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. Ponder that. Continuing the quote from the book of Proverbs, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son he accepts. Do you know the Lord disciplines us? So therefore, verse 7, Endure your suffering as discipline. Now, isn't that an interesting take? God is treating you as sons. And in the language there, we could could say daughters also, right? Treating us as his children. For what son is there that a father does not discipline him? But if you do not experience discipline, something all sons have shared in, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Ponder deeply, friends. This is not, a, this is not a, a passage you hear preached from very often, but this is God's word. See, I read stuff like this, and I think, how well do we really think we know God in America? We've got a big Santa Claus in the sky that we have created. In America. It's the American Jesus. He's a big Santa Claus in the sky who wants us all to be happy and all to get everything we want and agree with everybody. And, and we've created, we, we've broken the first commandment. We fashioned a God in our image because that's what a God in our image would do. It'd be a big Santa Claus. He'd give you everything you want, and uh, it's okay. That's not God. But if you do not experience discipline, then you're illegitimate. You're not sons. People say, well, how come wicked people always get away with everything? They they have things going their way, and they're they're making money, and they're doing this, and they're breaking laws, and they're being, well, they're, they're illegitimate. They don't belong to God. We belong to God. Verse 9, besides, we have experienced discipline from our earthly fathers, and we respected them. Well, there's some good parenting stuff in here too, isn't there? My kids don't respect me. Hmm. Hebrews 12, 9, read that. Shall we not submit ourselves all the more to the Father of spirits and receive life? Verse 10, for they disciplined us a little while it seemed good to them, but he does so for our benefit that we may share his holiness. This is, this is powerful today. Now, all discipline seems painful at the time, not joyful, but later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those trained by it. See, this, this, <laughs> this passage goes so contrary to the American Jesus that it's just like, wow, some people are going to look, look at me like I have seven heads today as I, as I preach this, but it's okay. God's called us to make disciples, not a congregation. Not Therefore, strengthen your listless hands and your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet 
so what is lame may not be put out of joint, but be healed. Now see, he had to go there, which is super interesting to me. Because if you are, if you have something out of joint, if you have something broken like a stick, a bad stick, your leg, right? So if you've got a bad stick, <laughs> bad leg, okay, bad knee, and you, you have to have something done to it, don't you? Because if you don't get it repaired, what will happen? More damage will be done, right? So he, he says discipline understand so it's it's like he's likening discipline to something here we're going to touch on in a minute and this is what i want you to see this morning i'm going to tell you the truth about god's discipline and i ask you just to open your heart uh listen the devil will whisper to two or three of you today and say let's leave early ethel but i, I ask you to resist the devil resist the devil that's the biggest thing I see sometimes is people, when the Holy Spirit's getting ready to move, the Holy Spirit's empowering his word, people get all antsy. Like, oh, I gotta go. We gotta go. Why? I don't know. We just gotta. I don't know. You know, it's Sunday morning, 1133. There's all kinds of things to do right now. Let's, let's go. So um, but I know that's like probably nobody in here, but you know, sometimes I just feel there's two or three people. So I just want to ask you just to hang with us today because you see the Lord wants to touch you in deep places in your spirit that you have not allowed anybody in, that you've, you've held off, and the Lord is wanting to heal that today. Because notice here, this, this discipline is healing. It's healing, and the reason why some of you aren't healed is because you've resisted discipline. Oh, Christianity 601, I told you. I, I told you. It's a, it's not, I know God is love. Let's all go home, everybody. We have a one-sided Jesus. He is love, but he is also justice. He is also a God of judgment. He's a God of truth. He's a God of holiness. To emphasize his qualities would be like trying to describe me and saying, well, he has black shoes on today. <laughs> and that may be my best feature. I don't know, but I want to tell you, that would be the ignore the rest of the description. Come on. Thank you for that, brother. Amen. Give that man a pay raise. I don't even care. We'll just put him on payroll. All right. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. I pray right now, God, that you would speak to our heart, change our lives. I pray, God, that we would open ourselves up. Come on, just tell them, Lord, I'm going to open my heart to you right now. I'm going to open my spirit. God, I'm going to let the walls come down. Lord, I have built walls up against you. I have built walls up against church. I have built, built walls up against your people. Lord, today, I'm going to lower those walls. And God, I know it's a risk, but God, I trust you, and I trust that you're good. And I trust what your word says, that you're a loving father. And only a loving father would discipline. Only a loving father cares about his children and their future enough to say stop in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that we would open our hearts to you right now in the name of Jesus. We pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated in a classroom setting. I used to do some substitute teaching back in the day in the public school system. And I honestly learned enough about public schools that I really never wanted to send my kids to one as a result of that. But in a classroom setting, there is basically three types of discipline. Some of you teachers, you'll already know this. There's probably different versions of this out there. But the first kind is you have preventative discipline. Preventative discipline is the rules, especially the younger grades, it's the rules on the wall, Right? No talking during story time. That's preventative discipline. The teacher doesn't have to say anything. There it is. Then the next phase is you have supportive discipline, right? 
Supportive is little Johnny is talking during reading time. Johnny, remember our rules. See, number one, no talking during reading time. Helping Johnny. Then there is the third level, corrective, or what I would say maybe consequential discipline. Little Johnny didn't respond to the first two levels for some reason. So depending on where you go to school or perhaps the time in which you went to school. <laughs> Amen, everybody. Yeah, I remember. Come on. I, I remember one time I got in a food fight and I was in seventh grade. And uh, I got, yeah, and I, I take the blame for what I did. I got sucked in on it. Uh, but that peanut butter jelly sandwich just looked better on the blinds than it did in, on someone's table. And uh, I, I participated in that, and I've never been spanked so hard. In my, I got my hind end paddled. I mean, grab your ankles, son. We're going we're gonna to go for And I thought, man, I'm going to put a bunch of paper back here, right? So I, I was stuffing paper down the back of my pants, and, and my friend had a wallet. I was like, ah, see, that's a good reason for a wallet. So I was putting I thought I'll put anything to deter the pain a little bit. And can I just tell you from personal experience, it didn't help a bit. It didn't help a bit. Because when that crack of the paddle on that backside, brother, I never threw another peanut butter jelly sandwich Raekwon in my life. I won't even throw it now just for fun out in my yard. Like, no, I have a connection to throwing peanut butter. I just can't do that anymore. So if little Johnny didn't respond to the first two levels of discipline for some reason, the consequences, usually unpleasant. And again, depending on what time you live, may be very unpleasant. But they all were aimed, and the consequences would all be aimed ultimately for what? Helping little Johnny not talk during reading time. See, those are small potatoes. It's not really, it's important that Johnny doesn't talk during reading time, but that's not really the issue, is it? That's not the point of corrective discipline. We don't want Johnny to go to jail someday. See, reading, talking during reading hour, that's a small thing. That's not the issue. The issue is, and if you're raising children to know Christ, we don't want our kids to go to hell. We want them to understand what the discipline and the preventive discipline for a Christian would say, well, the word of God, right? The supportive discipline would be the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of us or a voice of a preacher or a voice of a friend saying, maybe you shouldn't do that. It's about teaching Johnny to become a productive member of society. It's teaching Johnny to have self-control, without which you're going to have a whole lot of pain coming your way in your life. And the earlier you learn that, the better off you are. The better off you are. So in this classroom of life, let me transition to life, right? God disciplines us. Why? Because God disciplines the ones he loves who are his children. It's why you don't discipline other people's kids as much as you may want to when you're out in public in a restaurant and they're going ham next to you. You, you, you just don't even look. You, you just ignore it. Why? Because they're not your kids. We, however, belong to the living God. We are his sons and daughters. So here's the question. What is God's discipline? Does God just show up with a belt? We hear the cosmic, <laughs> as the belt comes out of the loop, so come on. No. Not how it happens. 
but we always want to read Scripture within its context, and so we have to keep in mind what we've just read here the last few verses and chapter even. In Hebrews eleven thirty five to 38, we were told about believers who were whipped, scourged, beaten, sawn in two. They were homeless. They wondered. Why? Because of their faith in God. It's because of their stand to live holy in an, in an unholy world. They chose to live for God, and they got massive pushback from culture that was ungodly. In Hebrews 12, just, just a couple verses later it starts, it tells us to lay aside the weight and to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us so that we can run this marathon of radical love and holiness. And while the saints who've gone before us can testify that, yes, this can be done through faith. Now, obviously, the first believers to whom this letter was addressed were undergoing some persecution, some pressure, some turbulent times, and some pushback to their faith. Then he reminds us that Jesus, in Hebrews 12, 2, 3, 4, reminds us that Jesus went through the suffering and the shame. And he endured the death of the cross. In verse 3 he says, Consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against him, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. You know what he is telling us here? When we go through tough times at the hands of sinners, now a lot of us, maybe this is a foreign concept, but somebody pushing back against you because of your faith, because of your lifestyle of living in Jesus, if they are pushing back against you, any level of persecution you get, we need to understand, we, we need to look at that as discipline from the Lord. I know it, it's, it, it, it can be tough to get your brain around, but stay with me here. Persecution at the hands of ungodly people. In the first glimpse of suffering, we see here in Hebrews, he's writing him and he is saying, he, he, he is saying listen, it's important because what you are facing right now is going gonna, is gonna to threaten to do something for, for you. It's going to threaten to cause you to grow weary and lose heart. I want to tell you, some of you in here are growing weary and are on the cusp of losing heart because you need to hear what the Word of the Lord is saying to you today. Because if the church in, if that was written to the book of Hebrews was going through things to the point where some of them were giving up. Remember, that's a, a common theme through Hebrews. Don't give up. Remember, don't stop believing, right? Just keep going. Keep pressing forward. And if he's saying some of you are growing weary to the point of giving up, and we, how many, and we don't want to raise our hand, but we have seen far too many people in our lifetime, people that used to serve Jesus, people that used to go for God, and now they no longer live for God. I can't help but wonder how many of them resisted the discipline of the Lord see it's normal for Christians to have ex experiences of stress and suffering to threaten their faith and it presses hard against you and sometimes it feels intolerable and losing heart is a great spiritual danger my friends he even says to Lay aside the weight, to lay aside the sin. And there's even this thought that, that the sin that we hold on to, the consequences that we would pay for that, that also serves as the discipline of the Lord. When we make decisions and do things that go against what God's want, and we get the results, and we don't like the results, we need to understand, perhaps that's the hand of God saying, I love you, and I don't want you to do that. 
See, in studying this, I realize we probably greatly understand discipline in general because we look at discipline as punishment. Discipline is not punishment. How many of you know that? Right? Being sent to jail is punishment. Discipline is what you do so you don't get sent to jail. Discipline is what we need in our lives so we can avoid those things. When we lack discipline, when we reject discipline, right? Now, you don't have, no one has to accept discipline, right? We have a culture full of people that don't accept discipline. And it, it, it's not going very pretty for them. And ultimately won't when we stand before God. But we can reject it if we want. But I want to tell you, if you reject discipline, then punishment will come. Going back to my little illustration of little Johnny. He had chances to get it right. He had chances to, to obey. He had chances to, to accept discipline, but he rejected them. So the Bible says here that these Christians were in danger, some of them, of losing heart and growing weary. There are things we need to know about the discipline of God and how it works in our lives. And the first one I've alluded to already and stated, it's pretty obvious, but know that God only disciplines people that he loves. Okay, well, people in the world have bad things happen to them, and you know the sad truth? It's just bad things happening to them. It's random garbage. But for the believer, everything we have and go through has a purpose. Because all things work together. And this is a misquoted verse, so please understand the full context. All things work together for the good for them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I hear people say, well, all things work together for the good. For what? What are you talking about? Because that's not the case. If you're not in Christ, if you're not surrendered to Jesus, all things are not going to work together for the good for you. And if it does, you can just thank random blind luck. The Bible tells us that all things will work together for the good to those who are in Christ, who are called according to his purpose. So the question is in this passage, who is doing the disciplining? Well, it's clear God is. Is God the one coming down and inflicting the pain? God's not the one doing it, but let's, let's, let's not colorize it. God is allowing it. I told you this is Christianity 601. He absolutely is allowing it to happen to you and to me, whatever, whatever it is we're going through that is refining us, that feels like uh, we're getting pressed, we're getting... God is allowing that. See, a lot of this is in your attitude and approach because, see, that's what happened to the children of Israel. When the Lord tried to discipline them, they rejected it. So what did they do? They wandered for the desert for 40 years like a lot of people wander in America. They, they work from 25 to 65. They retire, and they just wander through life. Well, yeah, they go from one crisis to the next. They go from one problem to another. They go, and it's like, what's the meaning of life? I really don't know. Be good to the ones you love because when you're gone, the ones you love will miss you. I mean, they, ha they, they have nothing to offer you. But when you are in Christ, everything you experience has a purpose. And it's God's purpose. Are y'all hearing me? I'm, I'm getting out of camera range. I don't care. 
God's purpose is to refine you and to make you strong and to make you bulletproof from the devil and to take you from being stuck in the mud like some of you are today and to move you to a powerful man and woman of God that can't be hit by the fiery darts of the devil. I want to tell you, you may have thought it was just a bad season. You may have thought it was something terrible. And yeah, the devil may have perpetrated. The devil had his imprint all over it. But God, the good father, allowed you to experience it and walk through it. Why? So you could be everything he wants you to be, that he can have you be the powerful woman or the powerful man of God that he has dreamed for you because the path you were on before that wasn't going to get you there. Everything. You see, sometimes when we go through persecution or trials or bad things, it's like, you, you can always tell how someone's going to come out of it by their attitude. Maybe you have people in your radius, people in your orbit. And uh, every time something bad happens, here's their attitude. Figures. Always happens to me. I should have figured. That's my life. Hey, welcome to my world. Yeah, have something bad happen to you too? Hey, welcome to my world. And I weep for those people now. I used to think it was funny. Now I weep for them. Because I'm like, yeah, no, with that attitude, it's going to continue. I'll see you 20 years later. It'll be the same thing. What? Because they're not seeing the purpose in their discipline if they know the Lord. They don't see the purpose in it. And the Lord wants you to become something beautiful. You know, I was watching, I watch these weird nature things sometimes. They're fascinating to me. But somebody had this a cocoon, and they were holding it in their hand. And I don't even, I don't know if it was time-lapsed or what. I don't know. It looked like it was normal time. But all of a sudden, I, I realized it was a cocoon, obviously. But all of a sudden, this, this little hole appeared. And this moth, I didn't even know what it was at the time, working his way through it. They must have sped it up because I think this process takes a little longer than 30 seconds, right? Working, 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 working. Pulling its little tiny wings out. Comes out the hole. All of a sudden, flaps. Flaps. Y'all ever seen a Luna moth? Or seen a picture of one? They're gorgeous, right? Like this greenish. It's almost like the color of your shirt, Sharon. It's like that, that greenish yellow. And they have like tails that come off of each wing. And they almost look like angels when they flap. And this thing began to flap. And this wing's fully developed. <sighs> he took off. I, had, I think I'd, I'd already known this, but I looked it up again. And it said, you know, if you help a moth out of its cocoon, it will never fly. Now, it can survive, but it will require somebody putting flowers in front of it so it can walk to them. But it will never do what it was meant to do. You see, it's not just what we go through, but see, I believe it's how we go through it. It's how we receive it. Because God wants you to fly. He wants you to fly. We were created for more. You can look at somebody next to you and say, you were created for more. If you want to right now, you don't have to. But you were created for more. More. 
If you don't got no one next to you, that's your job for next Sunday. You got a couple seats beside you. Joe, you got a lot of work to do next to you, brother. Come on. God bless you. Caleb, right there, man. You got six or seven. Don't worry, I'm not going to call anyone else out. Everyone's like, was he going to say anything about my row? <laughs> because you see, the Lord is busy transforming. And you see, it, that's what helps us understand the pain inflicted in this passage we just read is primarily coming from sinners. It's coming from the unbelieving world. And, and again, it, he's used repeated examples. Even the pain that Jesus endured came from the unbelieving world, came from sinners. And, and But we also know something else. Pain can also be self-inflicted, right? You sin, you do something that violates God's law, you bear a degree of pain in that. Yes, God forgives. Yes, he forgives. But there are often still consequences to that. And then there's just another kind of pain, right? We had a huge hurricane that blew through the southern United States. People, probably a lot of Christians, lost the roofs on their house. Some of them may have lost their house completely, right? They lost everything. See, it wasn't, if that hurricane wasn't aimed at them, I'm not one of these people that say, well, that was a judgment of God. Well, yeah, every time someone says that, it's like, well, his aim is pretty poor then because a lot of good people got hit instead of a lot of bad people. But we said, that's just, that's just life. That's just a fallen planet. And it wasn't aimed at personally, but it's just, it's just this fallen world where we experience things like that. But even in those things, I believe in those moments, we could say, there's something to learn here from the Lord. Even in those moments, if I lose everything, it blessed me so much to hear Pastor Hannah, her incredibly and anthony both just incredible attitude about the fire they had a couple months ago they lost everything and just to hear their faith talk and just to, i remember the hannah told the story about having a guitar that she decided to to would you give it back to your brother because you said it's becoming a what for you <laughs> the things she idolized or we're starting to, she was convicted by that and gave it away. And that was the thing that was spared because she didn't have it in her possession anymore. I'm like, wow. Now, if, if that's not a spiritual lesson for all of us, reminds me of the saying, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, even in the bad things, I believe our God is working on us. Hannah and Anthony and everyone else you've experienced, you may not be able to give a, def a definitive answer right now. Why? But I want to tell you, I bet you can 20 years. I bet you can 30 years. I know you'll be able to do it when you stand before God. You'll say, that was the purpose in that. God was trying to shave me. He was trying to shape me. He, the, the potter was putting this lump of clay on his wheel, and he was spinning it, and it didn't feel good, and it, it hurt sometimes, but he was doing something that he knew that down the road I would need a level of time this that would only come when I've walked through a fire, when I've walked through the trial. Jesus said, I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And a lot of times I think we misinterpret that to think, oh, it's a fire of the Holy Ghost, brother. But in the context, Jesus is talking about persecution. We'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and you're going to be peppered with fire too. You get some Holy Ghost fire too, but you're going to catch some fire of trial. I love the scripture, Zechariah 13, 9. I will refine them. The Lord speaking to his people, I will refine you like refining silver. 
I will test you like the testing of gold. How do you refine silver? How do you test gold? You put it under a lot of heat. And the verse doesn't stop there. I will refine you as refining silver. I will test you as a testing of gold. And then they will call upon me. Then I will answer them. And they will say, or I will say to them, you are my people. And they will say to me, you are the Lord our God. You see what God's up to is because he loves you. He's, he's taking you on a journey. He's taking us on a journey. Some people say, Pastor, I, I've never experienced persecution or suffering. Or maybe, you know, I've had bad days and stuff. But may, I've never really been persecuted for my faith. Well, I got an assignment for you. Go home today. Go knock on every door in your neighborhood. Make it crystal clear that everyone in that house will go to hell unless they surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. I promise you, you'll have persecution before you get very far. I promise you, you'll get pushback. Through it all, God's presiding over this. He's using things as disciplinary tools in our lives. The main answer of the passage is that God is in charge here and he is in ultimate control of these things that come our way. And it is in fact, it's a loving discipline of a perfect heavenly father. It's the very reason if you have your Bible still open there in verse five, he reminds them, have you forgotten the words written to you? I love it when somebody tells me that because I go, oh, well, yeah, I should have remembered that. What am I forgetting? I can't remember. It's something so important that somebody said, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten the words? This is what he quotes. Proverbs, my son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. Verse 6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. Now notice very carefully the text does not say that God looks on why hostile sinners hurt his people or why Satan ravages the elect or uh, uh, that God he only steps in to turn all this evil for good. That's not what the text says here. See, we preach the word, we're gonna, we want to preach what it says, not what we think it should say or try to take it. So right here, it's not God saying, okay, you're going through these things, God's going to step in and he's going to turn all this bad to good. That's not what this says. Because that's not discipline, that's called rescue. Now God does rescue, but here in this passage, God disciplines. See, this is a totally different concept of what's happening here. It says that God is disciplining us. He's teaching. He's correcting. He's transforming. In other words, God's got this purpose and a design in what is going on in our lives right now. Because, you know, here's our misunderstanding. Some people say that God is not in charge of the evil that is happening to us and that, that he's given the world over to Satan and the free will of men. But really, as they would say, my friends in Oklahoma would say, that dog doesn't hunt in this passage. The hostility of sinners is real and it's wrong and it's terrible, but understand that it's the loving, painful discipline of our Heavenly Father who's presiding over our steps, who's guiding the process. This passage is not saying that God is showing up after the tax, saying, okay, I can make this turn on, because again, that's not discipline, that's repair. And the difference between a surgeon who plans a surgical incision for the good and the emergency room doctor who sews up somebody after a freak accident, that's the difference between the two. 
Now, God can be in the emergency room, and he can sew someone up from a freak accident, right? He, he can repair. He can heal. But this text right here is more of a surgeon that you're sitting down with, and he's saying, I'm going to make some incisions here, here, or wherever, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to fix it. But it's going to be painful. It's going to be recovery time. It's not going to be pleasant. In fact, we're going to have to put you to sleep. And sometimes I think this is interesting. I've known a couple of people in my life that needed life-saving surgery, and the doctor says, I can't give it to you because you're too heavy. So what I want you to do is lay aside the weight. You come back to me in 20 pounds, and I'll do that surgery because your heart can't take. And I feel like that's what the Lord is, is wanting to do us. That's why I think lay aside the weight is right embedded in the middle of this text. Lay aside the sin because lay aside all that because then what? Then your heart will be able to take what God has planned. He's got surgery. He's going to get you there, but you're going to have to go through a process. Is this making sense? See, God can rescue people in the emergency room, like emergency room doctors, but see right here in Hebrews 12, what we're talking about, we're talking about a surgeon that says, I need to go in. I need to do some, I need to do some surgery, and it's going to fix things. But listen, it's not going to be an easy process necessarily. You say, well, why do I need surgery, God? Because he wants you and me to be great. Remember, I just said it a minute ago. He wants us to be bulletproof. He wants us to be where the devil can't touch us anymore. If I in my life keep going through the same things over and over, this is the Lord brought to my thinking here this week. If I keep going through the same things over and over, the same people problems, the same attacks, I know when we, when we talk things like this, it's easy to try to diagnose other people's problems. Well, that sounds like so. Well, try not to do that. Let's think about ourselves. There's people that go from job to job, church to church, place to place, that can't ever, I can never fit in anywhere. I just can't. Maybe the problem's you. Just a small guess here. Maybe God's trying to do surgery in you, then you won't let him. Because you jump off the table and run when it gets a little bit painful, gets a little uncomfortable, gets a little, they rub, your, rub you in the wrong way. They, they, they're pushing buttons. They're, and maybe, maybe the Lord is saying, let me work on you. Let me put you in a place where you're loved, you're cared for, but they're going to be honest with you. Right? Don't you want, like if you're a doctor, do you want your doctor to be honest? Hey, everything's great. Huh? Hey, you, you die three weeks later of a massive heart attack. You had blockages in all five, <laughs> you had seven of your five <laughs> arteries. You had a, Why didn't you tell me? Oh, I just thought you wanted good news. I want you to feel good about your last three days on the planet. In many ways, I feel like that's the American church. I tune in guys on the internet, and it's like, everything's okay, people. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. No, really? Really? <laughs> but if you keep going through the same things over and over, I, 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 I begin to think, you know what? There's something I didn't learn that God was trying to teach me through this discipline the first time around. And if we find ourselves having the same relational problems over and over, maybe it's time to stop running and offer ourselves to the master and the potter so he can fix us and shape us. Is this making sense? I told you, this is 
we were shouting earlier, and now it's like this is this this is this is discipleship. This this is what it means to be in Christ. I've been so wrecked and transformed by God that I'll just take whatever comes. <laughs> God, just bring it. Hit me, Lord. <laughs> I've taken. God, just hit me. I've resisted long enough, God. Just bring it, whatever I need, Lord. I've tried running. I've tried sex. I've tried drugs. I've tried relationships. I've tried the world. I've done all. But God, you have changed me and transformed me and made me new. So God, just hit me. Just hit me. Just bring it, Lord. See, Israel wandered for 40 years and they suffered unnecessarily. Because they kept resisting God's discipline. And if you've suffered, if you've gone through battles, maybe you're in the middle of it right now, it, it makes sense of it. Understand God loves you very much. You are his son, you're his daughter, and he's building a champion out of you. Here's the question I want to ask you. How long will you let your pain and your suffering last? Maybe it's time to say to God, you know what, it's me. No, no, I mean, it's really me. I, I need your discipline, God. I need your correction. I welcome it. I receive it in Jesus' name. Two more quick ones. Almost done. His discipline is about us becoming holy. Today people say, well, God, you know, we, we God, make me happy. But God's really not concerned with your happiness. He's concerned with your holiness. Because in, in the middle of God's holiness, you'll find joy. You'll find better than happiness. You'll find joy. But ultimately, God is concerned with you being holy. And it says that in verse 10, that we can share in his holiness. So he disciplines us so we can share in his holiness. Why is holiness so important? And I know we try to, oftentimes we try to explain away verses and passages. But, but I just couldn't help but peeking ahead <laughs> in Hebrews. Why holiness is so important. Pursue Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness, for without it, no one will see the Lord. Interesting. Without it, no one will see the Lord. You see why the Lord's discipline is so important? What is he trying to do? He's trying to make us holy. See why we have to embrace discipline? See why we can't forget these words? Look what it says in Proverbs 4, 2. Hold on to discipline. Do not let it go. Protect it because it is your life. I tell this to my grandkids. I said, you know, honey, and of course it, you, you tell them and they're just, okay. Because <laughs> they're little. But if grandpa is hollering for you to get out of the street... It's not because I'm bored. It's not because I just like to yell. It's not because I, you know, just think I'm going to start yelling just because. It's because I don't want you to die. And if you're not listening to your mom or dad, grandma and grandpa, and you're going to stand out in the middle of the street, you have a good chance of dying, especially when you're only two feet tall. That's why the Lord is saying, embrace discipline. Thank God. Thank God I receive it, Lord. I'm standing in the street with this issue. I'm standing here. God, I need to come back. 
I need to. And sometimes discipline means I get exposed. The things we want to cover up, God wants to expose it. I'm convinced the freer you are of something, the more willing, the less you care, who knows. You know, my friend Jeremiah Johnson, he says it so well. He said, you know, if you don't crucify your flesh in private, it will crucify you in public. And he is 100% right. I have seen that so many times. God will give you a chance in private. And if you don't, eventually you're going to be exposed publicly. And that's way more painful. But understand, this is all about being holy before the Lord. That's what his discipline, that's what, that's what Hebrews 12.10 says. We are being disciplined. We embrace it. Why? Because he wants us to share in his holiness. Final, and I'm coming to close here. He disciplines us so our weaknesses will be healed. You know, the thing that you struggle with, the area that you're weak in, God wants to go right in the middle. I, I, I'm sorry for all these medical things today because <laughs> I'm obviously a little out of my, my uh, lane with talking medical stuff, but uh, I've just had some stuff happen to my body over the years, right? So I, I've had some nasty cuts and things that had to be sewn up. And I, I noticed that the ones that I could see, the ones I was awake for, right? It, it's always a fascinating process, right? I, now, I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy seeing the sight of my own blood. That really, that's not a, I can see blood and I'm fine, but when I see my blood, I get a little weak-headed. I don't know, it's maybe whatever. But one of the first things they do is they'll take a needle after they clean that mess up and they don't give you a shot five inches away from the gash that hurts like a mug already. They put that needle right down in the middle of your mess. You feel that? Y'all ever felt, y'all ever had a something sewn up? They put a needle right in the cut. so they can sew you up because they figure one big stick will feel better than about 50 little ones coming right after it. You're going to about to get to get stapled up or sewn up. You see, the Lord disciplines us so our weaknesses. Look at verse 13. Make straight paths for your feet so what is lame may not be put out of joint but healed. If, you, if you've ever popped something out of joint in your body, like some people common shoulder, when your shoulder goes out, that's really painful, right? If a hip ever comes out, really painful. So it's intense. So you, you, you've, you've ever known somebody who's had that, you, you can ask them about, you know, the pain level, right? And if you break a bone, right, you can't just let that go typically. It needs some sort of intervention. It needs some, uh, some, it needs some healing, right? So you got to take the weight off it. You have to have a cast because as we mentioned a few moments ago, if you continue to walk on something that is broken without it being set, it can get worse. It can go from just a fracture to compound to through the skin. You'll do more damage. And see, I believe in the church, there's a lot of people walking around with a limp, and it's not because they encountered God and he touched them on the hip, which would be a great reason to have a limp, but because they've rejected his discipline and they've had something out of socket in their life. And they need for someone in their life 
through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to come and say, put your arm up on my shoulder and I'm going to jerk it and it's going to hurt like a mug. But when I'm done, your shoulder will be back in place. Right? No. And it's almost like chi- like children, right? Children don't want to do anything. They don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to do anything. It's, oh, no. He's just, he's just going to look in your throat, honey. No. Ah. Come on, honey. It's just, a, it's just a little tiny stick, a little tiny. You'll put it back here. And you won't feel it. Ah. As adults, we can get that way. And we resisted the discipline of the Lord. And now what should have been healed is continuing to be a weakness. The good news is God is available today to heal your weakness. But you have to be willing to submit yourself to his authority and his discipline because he only will do that for a child of his. He will do it for those who are surrendered to him. So today I ask you, how much longer will we go around with limps? How much longer will we go around living at 50% of our potential? How long will we continue when we have things that need to be set, things that need to be put in place in our life, things that need to be healed, things that need to be dealt with, weaknesses that need to be made strong, brokenness inside that needs to be healed. And the Lord is saying, respond to my discipline. Let me heal what is out of joint in your life. And your faith in God will struggle as long as you have trust issues, my friends. Your finances will continue to struggle until you obey God in the tithe because that's that's all connected your relationships will always be rough until you forgive and release respond to his discipline lord i recognize that some of what i've gone through is you trying to correct me lord i hear you i welcome you lord i receive i receive god what you're trying to do I thank you for your love for me. I thank you, God, that you love me enough to shape me. I thank you, God, that you love me enough to correct me. I thank you, God, that you love me enough to discipline me. God, I'm, I'm thankful to be called a son or daughter. God, you're, you're not going to br- bring the punishment like you will on those that reject you because I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Lord, you're trying to grow me strong. You want to bring healing in me. You want to take me to a higher level. God, you've made me to fly, not to crawl around where someone can throw a flower in front of my nose. But God, you have created me to fly. But God, I need a healing inside today. I need to submit to what you've brought me through this point in my life that relational strife maybe it's time to revisit that oh I know it's not pleasant let's ask ourselves where was the hand of God in that can't see it right now man I know may not be able to this is where we trust it's easy to trust when you can see see this is where trust rubber meets road right here I can't see what God is doing. I'm going through hell right now, but I have to believe that the hand of God is in this, and it's because he is doing something in my life. He is causing some discomfort in me, so I will become everything he wants me to be. I will need to go back, and I'm going to look at something I went through a few years ago. That was a tough thing. That was a hard. I'm still feeling the effects of it, but now maybe and just cursing it and saying, oh, it was just a terrible thing. Maybe, well, how was God working in that? 
to do something to me, and none of us are exempt in here. We all have stories. Just the blood is fresher on some than the others. But understand, there's someone in here that can relate to your story. And probably everyone can relate to some level of pain. But here's the thing. We know that all things will work together for the good to those who are in Christ Jesus, who are called according to his purpose. There is purpose in my pain. There is purpose in my hurt. It is the good father overseeing me saying, okay, that bad thing happened. I allowed you to get caught because if, if you weren't, you would be over here. I allow you to get your hand slapped here by the law. I allowed you to get your face slapped by someone you love. I, I allowed you to get your heart crushed over here. Because if that hadn't have happened, it would have been 10 times worse for you. Again, this is where trust comes in. I'm going to trust the Lord's goodness. I'm going to embrace the Lord's discipline. Would you stand with me right now? Lift your hands to the Lord. I'm going to embrace a good father. A good father disciplines. A good father, a good mother will discipline. Remember, discipline keeps us from punishment. Discipline will keep us from that ultimate level of punishment. If we accept it, if we embrace it, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And here's the cool thing. I don't even have to understand it because you probably aren't going to understand it right now. When you're going through it, you think you're probably not going to understand it. But we just have to trust. We just have to know we have a good father. We got a loving father. And he only does, he only disciplines those he loves. He only disciplines those who belong to him. I know this can be incredibly obviously personal and painful, but I just want to ask today because I just, again, I want to reinforce. So I want to, I'm going to break. I know it's just one guy beating a drum in some little corner of Dayton, Ohio. But I'm just all about blowing every misconcept of what church is. I am convinced today you are in a body of people that love you and want the best for you. You may not even know them. They may not know your name, but I guarantee you, ma'am, you've had people praying for you. You didn't even know it today. You're sitting there. There's been someone nearby you praying for you. Why would they do that? Because they care about your soul. They don't know me. Nope, sure don't. But they care because that's what this church is. If you are here today and you're going through some pain, you're going through some things, you feel like maybe I'm... Maybe I'm feeling like I'm getting that discipline. I'm getting that persecution. I'm getting that pushback. I'm, I'm just going through a trial. And I could just use some brothers and sisters coming around me and praying for me today. I want you to come forward because we want to support you strongly today. Again, I want you to know you're in a place you're loved. You're in a place you're loved. You don't have to come forward, but if you want to, we'll sure love you and pray for you. We'll love you and pray for you. I feel like if truth were told, probably 50% of everyone in this room would be up here. 
That's just kind of what I feel in my spirit. I feel there's that many people that are hurting inside. Deacons, elders, deacon wives, elder wives, come and just lay hands on people. If it make it easy, men with the men, ladies with the ladies. Devonay, would you come pray for some ladies? Sharon, would you come pray for some ladies, please? Betsy, would you come and lay hands on some ladies and pray for them? We have one, two, three, four ladies over here, five ladies over here that need prayer. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. The rest of you, would you just support by just stretch a hand towards them and pray for them right now? Just pray for these brothers and sisters down here that are just going through some stuff. They're just going through some stuff. They need the Lord's, they need the Lord's touch right now. Lord, we're going to... We're going to make sense of what we're walking through right now, Lord Jesus, because we know you're in charge. We know you're a good father, and your disciplined father is loving. Your disciplined God is driving me to become the person that you've created me to be. God, your discipline is driving me to become something that I would never be otherwise. Without the discipline, God, without the strife, without the persecution, without the battle, God, I would never be, I would never be, Lord what you've intended for me to be. So God, I'm going to wear this crown right now. In this, in this season, I'm going to wear this right now. I'm going to own this right now. I'm going to say, God, I recognize, God, that you're in the middle of my pain right now. That God, you're there. You haven't abandoned me. You haven't left me. You haven't walked away. You haven't turned your back on me. God, you are there. You are there in the middle of it. And you are just whispering, keep going, my child. Keep going, my child. You're going to make it. You're going to make it if you don't give up. You're going to make it if you don't quit. You're going to make it if you keep pushing forward. You're going to make it if you don't stop. Just don't stop moving. Keep those feet going. Keep that forward momentum in the Lord Jesus Christ. It may feel hard to move forward some days, but we're going to move forward in the name of Jesus. We're going to keep our feet moving. Slow motion is still motion. I'm still going to move forward. I'm still going to recognize, God, that you're in the middle of the storm, that you're in the middle of the pain. And, God, you are building something. You are building something in me. In Jesus' name, you are building something in me, God. You know what it is. Keep praying, keep praying. You know what it is. God sees greatness in you. God sees greatness in you. 
Remember, a father only disciplines his son or his daughter because he sees greatness in them. A father will see, a loving father, a loving mother, they see greatness in their children, and that's why they apply the discipline. That's what God sees in you. He sees greatness in you. He sees big things. He sees a big future in you. And he's saying, let me help form you. Let me help transform you. I'll make you new. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.